Welcome to the Longevity Forum podcast, a series on achieving longer, healthier, and more fulfilled lives for as many as possible. In this episode, we are happy to be speaking to Louise Newson, founder of the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Center, who will be interviewed by Claire Mellon, gynecologist and longevity aficionado. I'll leave the rest to you, Claire. Thank you, Laura, and welcome, Louise. Um, I've met Louise about a year and a half ago. She's um, a very accomplished menopause specialist, as I'm sure a lot of you already know. She's the creator of the Balance app, which um, has over 800,000 users. And she's a member of the Government Menopause Task Force, amongst all her other um, accolades. And importantly, she's got the science behind her, which I'm going to quiz her about in a a bit of time. But I wanted, first of all, um, Louise, to ask you why you started on this journey and and tell us a little bit about your journey. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me on the podcast. It's a great privilege. And I didn't really have a journey, Claire. (laughs) I still don't. Um, All I know is my mission is to improve the global health of women. So no mean feat. But I actually set up my career wanting to be an oncologist and I've got a background of a pathology and immunology degree so I'm quite scientific and geeky really at heart and we all went into medicine to improve lives and to make people feel better but oncology didn't quite feel right for many reasons partly lifestyle because I'm married to a surgeon and got three children but also I wanted a bit more I wanted more holistic I wanted to prevent disease rather than treat something um, and so I did hospital medicine then I went into general practice and started to see menopausal women and realized how transformational menopause care can be if it's right um, I quickly learned that I couldn't help women to feel better which is quite good in medicine isn't it if you can make people feel better but also uh, reading the science and the evidence and looking at the immune regulating properties of estrogen the main hormone that we lose in the menopause made me quickly understand how treating women properly can reduce their risk of really important diseases like heart disease osteoporosis diabetes dementia Um, and so I I found it very exciting medicine, but no one else did actually. And no one listens to women often. And so I couldn't really get a job as a menopause specialist in the NHS because there was no funding for it. So I just set up a clinic on my own seven years ago just to help some of my friends really who were struggling. And then four years ago, we opened this dedicated clinic and it's almost spiraled out of control, but the clinic isn't enough really. I really want to help people who never come to my clinic. So one of the reasons of creating the Balance app was to reach a global audience. A lot of the media and social media work I do is just about imparting my knowledge so women can make choices that is right for them. Fantastic. I often quote or or get people to read your book, Preparing for the Menopause and the Menopause, which was published in 2002, in 21, which was, as you know, the number one in the Sunday Times bestseller. And and for very good reasons, because it it sort of outlines the risks of HRT which of course has been the thing that's plagued a lot Mm. of treatment um, traditionally could you perhaps just sort of elucidate a little bit about that because or I know that's a hard ask but just to make people understand what the risks were perceived to be and why that's no longer thought to be the case Yeah, and it's really interesting, Claire, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, we're talking about hormones. The menopause is a hormone deficiency that lasts forever. And it happens to all women. There's not much that happens to all women, but the menopause does. And it can happen at different ages. But once our hormones go from our ovaries, it's very hard. We can't make them in other ways. 
And we, we've known for many years how, how good and effective hormones are at treating the menopause. And then 20 years ago, the results of a study came out, which was an American study, the Women's Health Initiative study, that um, basically was looking at how good or bad HRT would be giving it to older women who don't have symptoms to see if there's there's health preventative effects of it. The problem was manyfold actually. They gave a different type of HRT to we prescribe now. It was a tablet, horse's urine derived estrogen, a synthetic progestogen, quite a high dose. And then they followed these women up and they got some results that were leaked to the press and the medical press early before being analyzed properly. And as we all know, those results said HRT causes breast cancer. So, of course, people stopped taking it. People stopped prescribing it. But when they analyzed the data properly, they found some really interesting things. Firstly, that this increased risk of breast cancer wasn't statistically significant. They also found that women who um, took estrogen-only HRT actually had a lower risk of breast cancer. And women taking any type of HRT had a lower risk of death from breast cancer. But also the risk of heart disease, they thought, oh, there was an increased risk. But actually, that, that was in women who were older, more than 10 years from their menopause, who started taking HRT. And a lot of those women had had heart disease before or were obese. Um, and so now we've moved forward 20 years. We don't prescribe that type of HRT usually. We prescribe, as you know, through the skin, patch, gel or spray, estrogen, estradiol, the same hormone that we produce from our ovaries when we're younger, and a natural progesterone, which doesn't have the same risks. So we're keep comparing apples and pears. And we know that the um, body identical hormones have never been shown to have a risk of breast cancer associated with them. But we know that any type of HRT has benefits for cardiovascular risk reduction, for osteoporosis, for bone strengthening, for reducing risk of dementia and type 2 diabetes. And actually any type of HRT is associated with a lower all-cause mortality, so dying from any disease because estrogen is, and is so important in our bodies, but we seem to have forgotten that. And so now it's all about breast cancer risk. And there are lots of people who do develop breast cancer who have never sniffed or taken HRT. So there are lots of reasons why people get breast cancer, but though we have to know also, or remember that worldwide, the commonest cause of death in women is cardiovascular disease. We have a treatment that reduces risk by 50%, yet women are not giving it because they're worried about the risk of breast cancer, which, like I say, wasn't even statistically significant in this study. So it's become just out of context, really. And it's just been the biggest car crash for women's health globally, this denial of looking at the benefits of HRT. So a lot of the work we're doing is obviously we're doing research with these types of HRT, but also looking at the risk of the risks of not taking HRT, because for 20 years, we've been talked about the risks of taking it. But let's look at the, the harms, if you like, of not taking it, which I think are really important to look at. And from the longevity point of view, as this is a longevity forum, mm. um, I mean, you've hinted it's got this cardioprotective, but there is a trend now to talk about perhaps starting HRT um, or supplementation of some description a little earlier. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's really important. So before the menopause is the perimenopause. And as you know, peri just means around the time of and menopause is when our periods stop. Um, but with a perimenopause is where hormones start to decline. And, and for some women that can last for 10 years or so before. And it's a very important time for two reasons. Firstly, women start to experience symptoms that they often don't realize are due to the menopause so or the perimenopause. So symptoms such as 
you know, feeling tired, feeling a bit more fed up, feeling more irritable, feeling lower in their mood, maybe some joint and muscle pains, maybe some headaches, um, maybe some urinary symptoms, very vague symptoms, which are often dismissed and not listened to by healthcare professionals because they don't fit into a diagnostic box. So there's the, the women are suffering, but also we know when estrogen levels start to drop, that's when you can get more inflammation in the body. And this low-grade inflammation can cause accelerated aging, this so-called inflammaging. And so if our immune system isn't primed and programmed properly, and it needs lots of lots of things to help our immune system, but estradiol is one of them, then that's where there's an increased risk of diseases. So you don't want to wait until you're menopausal before giving your hormones. And HRT is not really called the right thing, is it? Because it's not replacement. We're not replacing hormones when we give it in the perimenopause, which is topping up what, what's missing. Um, and so actually the earlier you start it, the less suffering of symptoms there would be, but also the optimization for future health. And this is where longevity is so important, of course, because it's not a number that we die at. It's what our journey is like to get to that number. And we know that, don't we, with all the fragility fractures that are going on, the quality of life data, you know, the morbidity that people are getting. And this is where we have to really grow up and think about the disease prevention and how we can reduce our risk of disease. And when you think that 30% of a woman's life on average is without her hormones, it's really important to think why are we not considering hormones as, as a really important way of improving future health. I know that you're, um, you've got a, a, the Newson Health Research and Education, of which the, the Newson Health Menopause Society is one part of it, which is to educate doctors. Mm. Um, and I'm proud to be a member. Um, but mm. is there anything, if you could think of one research project um, that, that you would like sort of perhaps help funding or, or, you know, I mean, you've got a unique access with your balance app. You've got, you know, a very mm. large cohort of patients that are, are, are sort of um, come to you for good reasons. And could you think of one project that would that you would particularly like to do in the next two or three years? Yeah, I think one of the things is moving forwards with technology as well. So I'm very interested in how we can monitor objective data as well as subjective data you know we've got some great data showing how people feel better when they're using estrogen and testosterone but actually when we're looking at improving health and, and actually making a difference to science in the future it's looking at measurable outcomes so i'm very interested in looking at how we can show that women exercise more, that they um, they have lower blood pressure, they have lower cholesterol, they have better bone density with taking the right dose and type of HRT. And that's really crucial. So using digital technology with linking to a device, a wearable device, as well as connecting some uh, sort of biobank, sort of biochemical data, I think is really crucial because we don't want to do research that's only going to help the, the 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 sort of healthier, more moneyed side of the population. You know, a lot of the work is helping global health. So if we can show that something as cheap as HRT can actually transform future health of women, that's really important. But we can't do it just by measuring symptoms because that's not enough because people don't listen to women there's a lot of gender bias in in research as you know and just in in medicine in general but if we can link it with with actually capturing data and actually 
even if I could show that a woman who receives good menopause care is more likely to exercise and less likely to put on weight, well, that's going to have huge actual ramifications for future health of women, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, of, of gender, I know this is probably a bit of an ask for you, but, you know, you, you um, do probably get asked this as well about men's sort of andropause I think is the term yeah and this, and this is really important as well Claire I mean if I had you know if I could survive on even less sleep I would certainly do more with that and I do a lot of work with the British Society of Sexual Medicine so um Jeff Hackett and Mike Kirby are really leading this with testosterone deficiency and they get a bit frustrated that menopause is getting so much attention and every week or so they email me to say well who's a male celebrity we can use how have you managed to do this for hrt because it's not as common a hundred percent of women will become menopausal as you know it's about a third of men will have testosterone deficiency but it's very very common in comparison that men who have low testosterone have an increased cardiovascular risk, an increased risk of osteoporosis, an increased risk of type 2 diabetes and obesity. So it's really important. It's easier actually for men because you can measure hormone levels to make the diagnosis, which as you know, they're not reliable in women. Um, But a lot of people don't understand. And it's the same resistance to female hormones, you know, there's a lot of men who are told, oh, you, your testosterone is not low enough or it's only a lifestyle drug. But actually it has the same transformational effects um, that it can, if you give testosterone replacement, it can reduce risk of heart disease, diabetes, osteoporosis. Um, so absolutely, I think it's really important that we look at all hormones as in sex hormones. We've done so much data in the past and research on glucose and insulin and pre-diabetes and, um, you know, the, the menopause and the andropause are metabolic, they're cardiometabolic syndromes. And I think for too long, we've been thinking as the uh, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone in women is something our ovaries produce and testosterone is something that the testes produce. Of course it is. But we have to remember that they're biologically active hormones all around our body, whether they're in a man or a woman. So I think doing a joined up approach where we're looking at research for men and women would just be phenomenal because there's so many analogies. And when I lecture for the British Society of Sexual Medicine about female hormones and someone else like Jeff or or, or Mike lecture on male hormones, it's exactly the same. You could just change the sex, but it's the same pathological process that's going on. But we just don't talk about it because people don't want to understand somehow about sex hormones and I don't know why yeah great and um and then I just want to sort of thank you really for for definitely in this country you brought menopause to a lot of people's attention which I think has been extremely helpful and I think you know I'm hoping that by being involved in the longevity forum that the menopause is regarded not as a sort of you know a, a, a black and white you're either in it or you're not it's, mm. it's it is the longevity of keeping women Absolutely. and eventually men as you you know if we get this into the right the form healthier for longer and and mm. more functional for longer um Abs- thank you yeah a- absolutely and i think it it's so important that we don't just brush it under the carpet and too many people think about menopause as just an old annoying woman with a fan you know, let's forget how she's feeling. Let's think about this accelerated aging that's going on in her bodies without hormones. Think about yeah. it differently. Well, I've definitely personally, you know, started taking hormones again, not because I have got hot flushes. It's because I want from a longevity point of view to mm. feel better. Um, so, mm. you know, having sort of stopped it because the Daily Mail felt that it was all very dangerous. 
So, um, no, I'd, I'd you know, very much like to thank you for that. Um, well, thank you, Louise, for being here and uh, being so helpful. And I'll look forward to seeing you at the Longevity Week. Thanks very much for inviting me. It's been great. We are very grateful to our sponsor, Juvenescence, which has made this podcast possible as part of Longevity Week 2022. For more podcasts, visit our website, thelongevityforum.com, or follow us on Twitter, longevity underscore forum.